When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I am your host, Mark. Dale Crover joins us today. You may remember him from one of his many bands, the Melvins, Altamont, Red Cross, or maybe the Dale Crover Band, who are releasing a new album called Rat-a-Tat-Tat. If you're not familiar with Dale's solo music, it's definitely a separate entity from the Melvins. Dale tells some great stories about Gene Simmons and Kiss, meeting Buzz, playing biker sleepover parties as a teen, and Greg Bissonette. He's also done a little acting. He's played both young and old Neil Young in the Harvest Moon video. There's a few great stories about that experience in here, too. A quick disclaimer, though. There was a not-so-unusual buffering issue when we recorded, so occasionally Dale may sound like he's talking a little fast. That's the buffering. So follow Dale at drcrover on social media. Buy the album Rat-a-tat-tat. Follow us at Performance ANX. Buy us coffee at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety. And a huge thank you to AKG for this podcasting package with a great Lyra mic and super comfortable headphones. Now please enjoy Dale Crover on Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Sure. Okay. It's, it's, uh, I forgot the name of the podcast already. It's Performance uh, Anxiety. Performance, performance Anxiety. Okay. Hi. This is Dale Crover. I play in multiple bands, including Elvins, Red Cross, the Dale Crover Band, and others. And you are here with me on Performance... Oh, shoot, I forgot Performance Anxiety Podcast. Crover! Can you edit that? Are you recording this just for the audio, or is it for the video? Just, just the audio. Yeah, okay. All right, then it doesn't matter what, how I look, I'll take my clothes off. <laughs> yes, that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> the first Dale Crover nude interview. As far as you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, wow. Okay, that's a good point. All right, I can't make that claim anymore. Well, most of the interviews I do are, 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 aren't video calls. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you connecting with me. This is, uh, this is fantastic. Um, oh, yeah. I really appreciate you getting up and uh, spending your morning with me. Oh, yeah. Co- uh, morning coffee with Dale Crover. <laughs> now, that could be a podcast. <laughs> hey, yeah, good idea. Why not? You know, everybody's got one during the pandemic, so. Yeah. <laughs> what I actually like to do is to find out how you got to where you're at in your career now. So I'd like to find out a little bit about how you got into music in the first place. Was the household kind of a musical household or were you a black sheep in that yeah. respect? No, I mean, I had a couple of older brothers, older brothers that I lived with, and they both played music. They were, I guess, by the time I came along, they're a little bit older than me. So they were in junior high school and playing in band and orchestra. Okay. Um, you know, but of course, they loved the Monkees and the Beatles, and I got their hand-me-down first Monkees and first Beatles records. Oh, man, there you go. Love, they're love they're, that always, they're always listening to stuff, you know? Yeah, that record's great. Oh, I love it. It's uh, I can it, still listen to it. Yeah, exactly. Gonna Buy Me a Dog is one of my favorite Monkees tracks ever. <laughs> do, do, do. Speaking of which, here we go, right here. Oh, hey, buy buddy. Buy a couple dogs. Oh, man, he's awesome. They're lounging, lounging around here. Mine's, uh, so. mine's upstairs in, in my room with my wife right now, so he, he doesn't come down and... Uh, disturb this whole thing because anybody walks by the house he goes nuts yeah so. yeah same same with these guys we're constantly telling them to be be quiet but <laughs> they're looking just look at this now oh my <laughs> gosh what <laughs> this a, one's frank and this one's franny frank and so, franny oh that's awesome what kind, of, what kind of dogs are they franny is uh fully a boxer oh <laughs> <laughs> if you can see she's got that oh that face yep like Smith and, and Frank is um, Frank is uh, well he's uh, part Dachshund part Chihuahua oh, wow. part uh, Chow Chow and uh, Staffordshire Pit 
Oh, so, wow. He's a, he's a Chinese, Mexican, uh, <laughs> uh, German American. So he's, he's America in, in a dog. Yeah, yeah, fully, fully American dog. We got the, the DNA test for him because we were curious because he, he looks like a rat terrier. Yeah, yeah. You know, but but then he is long, so I think that's where the dachshund comes in. Oh, that's really cool. I've, my dog, all right, my dog's <laughs> name is Hammond, and uh, he's half boxer, half Australian shepherd. Oh, wow. So he, that's, he's That's something pretty cool mix. Yeah, he, he kind of looks like a mix of, of Franny and Frank, right? That he's got... <laughs> he's got Frank's uh, snout, the longer snout. Oh yeah, but more wow. of uh, Franny's body, and he's a tricolor. So, so he's wow. but he's he's so good with the kids. He's awesome. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, these two are good with kids too. Yeah. Okay, so did you start off with drums, or was there something else that, that really drew you into music? Um, I mean, I kind of liked it everything. Okay. Um, well, so I was talking about uh, my brothers being in the school band and my parents would take me and my mom told me that I like I liked the guy that stood up front doing this, you know, the and dog. I would stand up and try to do that too. <laughs> so, and say, I want to be the man, you know? <laughs> so I guess that's what I wanted to do first was be the man. Be the man. The be guy in charge. The man in front directing. So I kind of, now I'm kind of the man in back directing, I guess, because I start the songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Quiet, quiet. They're getting all perked up because they hear something now. Oh, no. No, no, no. Hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got a guitar when I was eight. Okay. My parents bought me a little acoustic guitar. And I took lessons at the, the local library, Aberdeen Public Library. And there was a guy that taught I like free lessons, I think, you know, like oh, a, yeah. a group lesson. Okay, yeah. And, uh, you know, I learned um, uh, my A minors and, and D, D7s and Gs and, you know, learned how to play. I think the first one was probably, Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, you know, that one, Kumbaya, and then a Beatles song, Oba Dee Oba Da, oh, yeah. isn't one of my favorite Beatles songs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but at the time, being able to play a Beatles song was pretty cool. That, yeah. Yeah, being a Beatles fan, I can imagine. No offense. It's one of Paul's whimsical songs, you know what I mean? So, yeah. And those aren't my favorite either, you know? I like, I don't know. It sounds, it sounds like it could have been a Ringo song. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> probably should have given it to Ringo. It probably, <laughs> Ringo should have just taken credit. I'm sure Paul would have given it to him. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, Paul, well, Paul always has to hog the, the spotlights. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's even even during the pandemic, coming out with a new album. Jeez. I know. Well, yeah. Yeah, what a, what a jerk. What a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the Where first he played time. everything himself, too. Exactly. This isn't the first time we've called Paul McCartney a jerk on this podcast. I'm sure he's oh. listening. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. But, but damn, he's a great bass player. Yeah. He really, <laughs> I mean, maybe I think he's a jerk just because he does everything so well. <laughs> I think that might be it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because Jeff Pincus, Jeff Pincus just sent me a picture of uh, Paul. And it's like him. It looks like he's on a boat and he's got his shirt off and his, his head is like, he's got a ponytail on the front of his head. And, um, uh, uh, Jeff, Jeff put this caption, woke up, got out of bed. Can't get this image out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to look so, at that photo now. Yeah. I can send it to you. <laughs> yes. Cause I got to see that. Now I, I, I want that image in my head. Yeah. So, Got a funny ponytail on my head. <laughs> <laughs> so did you switch to drums early on, or were you a guitarist for a while? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I played the acoustic guitar for a while, and then, you know, got into Kiss. Ah. And, and that, was, uh, that was definitely, you know, from, from Beatles jumping to Kiss. They were my Kiss, you know. Okay. Uh, seeing them on the, uh, and I know other people say this, but... But the first time I saw them was on the uh, Paul and Halloween special. Oh. And so that was kind of like my Ed Sullivan Beatles performance. That was the kiss on That was what that was to me. Um, uh, man. You know, and, and I remember being like, God, these guys, wow, this is weird. This is weird stuff. You know, what is this? Oh, yeah. And, and that was just about Paul Lynn. That wasn't even about Kiss. Yeah. Yeah. And then kids at school were bringing their records to school and we'd be able to play them at lunchtime. So I really got into them. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kiss, I remember this one girl brought uh, Ted Nugent, Double Out Gonzo. Oh. You gotta, gotta be careful playing this one. We gotta kind of skip the intros. Yes. They hear 
if they hear uh, him cussing, you know, then we're not going to be able to play records anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so that kiss, you know, really got me into, uh, I guess, I don't know, wanting to play drums, wanting to play music for sure, or, you know, wanting to, wanting to explore that more. The neighbors had a drum set and I used to borrow it, kind of bang around on it. Oh, cool. And then this other neighbor friend of mine who was a little bit older, one day I saw him and he had long hair and, and uh, he's like, yeah, man, I've got a Les Paul guitar and a Marshall Halfback. I'm like, no way. And went over to his place and, and um, started hanging out with him a bit. He taught me how to play songs on guitar. And, and then he, uh, I think he's the one that was like, you should get a drum set and then we can jam and we can play drums. Okay. Yeah, why not? So I did, yeah. And we did a little bit. You know? uh, he was uh, he, he was in uh, bands, like local bands around Aberdeen, and I used to go and, and watch him practice. Okay. Uh, eventually, they turned into the band Metal Church. Oh, cool. So, I remember that. that there's, uh, yeah, they had some records out on major labels. And yeah. And a bit of success. You know? Yeah, I had a couple uh, friends who were really into them. Yeah. Yeah, I used to go watch him practice in this old... This old uh, uh, abandoned school classroom. We had a oh, wow. classroom set up in there. That's awesome. Is that when you started playing out in public more, playing in bands and, and gigging a little bit? Me? I, I mean, I was still pretty young, but I was starting to play with people when I was like 13. Oh, wow. You know, I learned, I learned drums just by, well, by watching and playing, um, playing along to Kiss Records. Yeah. And then, and then eventually I got into like high school band and stuff like that. Um, okay. It was junior high, junior high first. Yeah. Uh, possibly even, even grade school. Actually, you know, I started out in fourth grade, you could be in orchestra. So I played cello. And then in fifth grade, you could be in band. And I really liked marching bands. Yeah. My and, kids are in that. Um, and wanted to play sousaphone. I always thought that was a cool instrument. And so, but they didn't have a sousaphone. And they uh, thought it'd be too big for me. So they, they started out on a baritone, learning tuba music. Okay. And then the next year I switched to drums. Oh, in sixth grade I switched to drums. Oh man, that's that's okay. So my I've got a son kind of went the same route, but he's stuck with the tuba and the sousa. Oh, nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'd still like to have a sousaphone. I think that'd be cool. They're not cheap, man. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we bought a mouthpiece and that's all he's got. So he has to use the squeeze. Oh, wow. So, yeah, oh, wow. The mouthpiece is 90 bucks. Don't they make, they're not like the, like plastic, but you know, see some of the marching ones that look like they're made out of like, a, I don't know, almost like PVC pipes or something. Yeah. The white ones. Yeah. That's, that's what they've got. Those are still not yeah. cheap, man. Uh, once this podcast money starts to roll in, then maybe I'll I'll uh, yeah splurge and get him a Sousa of his own. He'll be buying he'll be buying a Sousa phone. Exactly, know. that's when I know I've made it. So yeah, so yeah, so I was in school band, and um, there were, by the time I got to junior high, there was a ton of drummers in, in class. You know, I think yeah. usually most bands would have any one two guys playing bass, drum, and snare drum, but there was like six to eight drummers. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And so somehow it came up that the local junior college professor there was a jazz drummer. And he offered to give, since there were so many drummers, he's like, well, this is really cool. You know, there's never that many drummers. Um, if, if they're all interested, I'll give them all lessons and do like 50 cents a lesson. And, oh, wow. and, uh, so me and this other kid showed up and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> none, of, none of the other ones, you know, and, and, and we're talking like, you know, there was kids older than me, than me that were like first chair and, and thought they were hot shit and all yeah. that. And they didn't show up. Oh, of and then, so he was, he was, you know, he was kind of bummed, but he showed us some stuff. And uh, the next weekend, I'm the only one that shows up. Oh. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you know, I really thought this was going to work out better. But, you know, and I, I mean, you know, because it'd be more than one kid giving me 50 cents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but if you want to take private lessons, I'll give you private lessons. You know, it's going to a little bit more so my parents were up for it oh cool so one of my rudiments and all that kind of stuff and he knew i really liked rock and wanted to play rock drums and got me the uh carmine Appy book drum rock drumming book oh yeah and it was pretty cool oh man the apathies are great then, i love those guys yeah 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 you always see them on, you know what the nam show is yeah yeah a, a bit of the nam show a lot it's like this well for people that don't know it's like this giant music company fest like, you know, all the, all the big guitar companies and, and uh, you know, Gibson, everybody's got like a booth. So it's like the world's biggest guitar center. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you always see people there. And I always see either Carmine or Vinny, Apathy, a piece. Oh. Yeah, a I never know how to, to say that. And um, I came up 
Yeah. I don't think they do either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a pite. That's how you pronounce it. Um, but uh, I made up a, a, after going, I made up a game that I can't leave until I see either one of the two brothers. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember which one of them. Got to keep walking around until you see them. Yeah, exactly. I don't remember which one of them was in the band Blue Murder, but you got to get them to do that uh, opening drum fill for uh, the Blue Murder album opener. I think Riot. It was probably, uh, I'm not sure, I would I would guess Carmine. Maybe. I don't know. They used to dress up like pirates, right. and I don't know. I love that album in 89, so. <laughs> right on. <laughs> All right, so I know that before you joined Melvin's, you were playing in a... And uh, what the way Buzz described it to me was um, an Iron Maiden slash Lover well, Iron Boy Maiden cover band. Yeah, but he also threw in Lover Boy. Yeah, we were. The kid is hot tonight. You yeah, know, we had to do the hits. <laughs> so, I mean, this this was this band that I joined when I was fourteen, and okay, they were neighboring kids from the next town over, and they uh, they were able to put together together a band and go play high school dances and actually make some money <laughs> yeah <they're, yeah. laughs> back when schools schools would actually pay for stuff like that wow so i don't know we played a handful of gigs one of the best gigs and one of the scariest gigs we played was uh, somehow we got hooked up to go way the fuck out in the middle of nowhere on this uh river in washington state oh god and playing like a biker party whoa <laughs> <laughs> yeah 15, 15 years old 16 year old kids going out an overnight biker party oh my god <laughs> <laughs> holy crap yeah it was scary I would, yeah gonna shit my pants as a 15 year old doing that yeah you know I don't remember much but about it except <laughs> I remember we had to learn how to play Born to be Wild <laughs> like, oh, we better we better play that song well yeah <laughs> that's the biker anthem I know we played it a couple times right but <laughs> so I don't even know if we got paid on that one. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. But, but uh, so, yeah, that lasted, you know, maybe a year and a half or so. And um, we had a problem with singers. Well, our first singer ended up joining the Navy. And so he was gone. And so we'll do it. tried out another guy. We tried out another guy who actually used to be in the band before Metal Church. He was a singer with some of those guys. Oh, okay. And he declined us. He declined us. Um, and then we ended up with this girl in the band for a little bit. But we, after that, it just kind of fell apart. Yeah. But, um, uh, oh, and then in between, there was a guy who used to be in their band before I was playing with them. And um, there was this opportunity to uh, go and play for this Christmas show for the local radio station, KXRO. Okay. And uh, um, the deal was, was it was the uh, Elks Lodge Christmas special. And... Uh, you, your variety show you could show up down there and sign up and play on the radio okay and uh, and so we learned one of the bands the previous band had some original song kind of some crappy ballad or whatever <laughs> 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 all right we'll, we'll listen and play it you know because i guess we're like well we should play some original material you know rather than a lover boy song yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or an eddie, eddie money song or whatever yeah. and so we learned this song and we go down there and when we showed up there was a band playing already you know and we're like Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i know i know <laughs> knock it off no, 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 no. Uh, Frank, your video froze no. for a second, and I thought that was oh. you. No, did it? Oh, I can still hear Martin. you. <laughs> I thought you were describing this, the band that was on before you. <laughs> That's kind of what they sounded like, uh, you know. And we thought we knew. I mean, there wasn't that many bands around there, and we thought we knew who everybody was. And we're like, who the fuck's this? And they were like, they obviously weren't playing cover songs. They're playing like super fast. And, and I mean, I guess they were punk rock, you know, they, yeah. were, they were dressed weird. They, one of them had a shaved head. One of them was wearing like a, a beanie. The drummer was wearing a beanie on his head. You know, I'm like, uh, don't you get hot with that beanie on your yeah. head? <laughs> and they had these short songs and they'd, they'd blast through them, stop for a second and blast into the next song. You know, and it was like, oh, what the fuck are these guys? You know, it's yeah. a band from Montesano called the Melvins. Weird. And. I always wanted to play heavier stuff. Even then, I was into like I was more into Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, uh, Motorhead, oh, yeah. uh, British New Wave of British heavy metal. Guy when I was fourteen, and Black Sabbath, of course. Yeah, and um, you know, and and would have rather played with people that wanted to do heavier stuff. But pickings are slim. Yeah, <laughs> you know? so kind of get what you can take as a fourteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old kid. So anyway, 
yeah, these guys in Melbourne. And I was like, wow, it kind of sounds like Motorhead, but the Ramones, you know? That's yeah. what they described their, their early stuff is kind of what it sounds like. And, um, you know, we met them and I, you know, I don't know if they're too friendly or not. I can't remember really. <laughs> remember they I, I mean, but, you know, even, you know, seeing Buzz, then it's like, you know, you tell he was like, you know, wow, that guy's, that guy's different. Yeah. You know? huh. yeah. Um, and then we realized that once we set up and we're getting ready to play that there wasn't a PA system. And those guys had brought, realized it and went home and got their own PA, brought it back. Oh, wow. And then when they were gone, they took their PA with them. So, uh, <laughs> our, uh, our singer had just had to sing straight into the broadcast mic. Oh, and brutal. he's out of tune and it's, it's distorting the mic and they just cut it off. <laughs> they cut off the Melvins a few times too. Um, there, <laughs> there's a, a Melvins record called mangled demos in the, and the beginning of it is, kind of the audio from that where the guy's like trying to introduce and well, we're gonna hear some real wild punk rock of ladies and gentlemen yeah <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> i have one question so yeah about uh all right so this band Go that you're, you're doing iron maiden covers are you more of a diano or a dickinson guy oh diano okay <laughs> so so i'm gonna say we were doing i think I think I convinced them to do, we might've done like number of the beast or run the hill or something like that. Okay. But there was another dude that I played with even before that, um, this guy named Larry. And, um, he was a little bit older than me, but I knew him because he had a brother the same age as me and okay. he played guitar. And he was also friends with some of those metal church dudes as well. And, and, uh, we used to jam as a duo. Oh, we were, cool. we were, we were the first duo before, any of the popular duos, you know, um, we always wanted a bass player, but, but, and we occasionally had somebody, but, you know, I guess we should have realized that we could have just done, done, you know, a white stripes, a heavy metal white stripes. They would have been okay. Just, uh, yeah. He was a wild player. Like he wanted to play like Randy Rhodes, but it kind of came out more like Greg Ginn trying to play like Randy Rhodes. Oh, wow. So it was pretty, <laughs> you know, so it was, it was wild. And we'd actually written some original songs and, and played, covers like Maiden stuff and, and um, Maiden Black Sabbath and he's the guy that knew how to tune down to D he knew that Sabbath had tuned down to D and uh, when you know eventually when um, I started playing with the Melvins he showed Buzz that tuning and oh cool and then in turn you know we, we wrote a bunch of songs in D and then that's how the Soundgarden guys found out about it oh man look at that so it's all the well, black, it's via Larry, you know, black yeah. Sabbath detuning via Larry. <laughs> so uh, Larry Sabbath tuning, you know, right. But, you know, Larry, Larry had gotten a bunch of trouble, you know, um, as a kid and the cops knew who he was and, ah. and um, some bad stuff went down where he got sent away for a while. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, and I remember my mom saying, Oh, and I'd, I'd also seen uh, the Melvins play again. They actually opened for Metal Church at Metal Church's oh. first uh, comeback gig after they became a band. They used to exist down in San Francisco before that, but yeah. so it was like their first gig as the Northwest version of the band. Okay. And, um, and I remember seeing them there and thinking that they were pretty cool. Oh, also, another guy from my school named Chris Novoselic had told me that he had joined the Melvins. Oh, and, um, <laughs> Wow. And, and um, he did, but he just joined them at the end of their set for uh, a version of Sun, Sunshine of Your Love. Oh, man. Um, but, but Chris was a pretty popular dude in my school. So once he came out on stage, people were kind of like digging it, at least yeah. for a second. <laughs> now, that, it's, it's okay. Chris is out. Now it's cool. Yeah. He was a popular kid at school. He was like the class clown. So is, is this around the same time you started playing in, in the band Fecal Matter? No, no, no. That would have been after. Oh, okay. So this would have been like... I mean, so this show, I joined them, ended up joining the Melvins probably about four or five months after the show. And okay. um, those guys uh, uh, were looking for a drummer because the guy with the beanie on his head <laughs> wasn't working out for him. <laughs> uh, he's, our, he's our good friend and we still play with him, Mike Diller. Yeah. But, uh, for whatever, you know, I think just commitment maybe more than anything. So, but whatever, you know. Anyway. Yeah. They were looking for a drummer, and Chris brought them over to my house one day. And earlier in the day, my mom was telling me, and this is because, like, one of the dudes I was playing with is, like, in prison. Yeah. And then the, the other band that I was playing with, with the girl, girl singer, fell apart. And uh, earlier in the day, she's like, you got to get in a band that's going to do something. <laughs> <laughs> and then those guys come over that day and talk to me about playing in their band. 
That's pretty really weird. And later she's like, I didn't mean to do it today. But, you know, <laughs> the thing about the Melvins that we knew or that I knew is that those guys were playing gigs out of town. They were playing gigs in the, the big metropolis of Olympia. Yeah. <laughs> and even Seattle. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. And then uh, I've been in the band ever since. I was 16. So it's like 36 years now? Yeah. Man. Yeah. Being in a band that long, you obviously have an intuition with Buzz at this point. You know, 36 years, you probably... Yeah, sure. Have, does he ever surprise you with any yeah. of the stuff that he comes out? Or, or is it, do you kind of know what to expect? Oh, music? Musically, uh, yeah. Surprise me. You mean, you mean challenge me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll go By that surprise, way. you mean challenge all the yeah. time. Yeah, that's, that's one of the funnest parts of being in the band is like, you know, playing this crazy music. Buzz doesn't really have any kind of uh, formal training you know, more or less self-taught and probably had some people show him some chords and stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, he doesn't know how to read music and he's writing stuff in really odd time. Yeah. You know, and, and it's really, it's probably best that he didn't because it probably wouldn't come out that way. And he just, he's a guy that just has never thought like normal people think. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's really why the stuff that we write comes out the way it does. Well, it's, yeah, it's one reason why the music well, is so phenomenal. And he's, both of you guys are just so interesting to, to speak with. <laughs> Thanks. So, <laughs> all right, so you play in a ton of bands, either sporadically or uh, doing guest appearances. I mean, there's, all right, so, we, you know, there was the uh, demos you did with Fecal Matter. So you've got uh, Men of Porn. Well, that was also a billion years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see, Shrine Builder, which, which was awesome. Uh, Red Cross. How do you find time for all this stuff? Because Melvin, you guys tour quite a bit. Yeah, we do. I mean, Melvin takes up the, the majority of the time. But, um, I mean, yeah, you know, that stuff is, is pretty, pretty much part-time, except for Red Cross. We got Steven in the band. Gosh, I'm trying to think. I've been a long time because I've been in Red Cross for at least three or four years. Yeah. So I guess probably about five years ago, something like that. Five okay. or six years ago, Steven started playing with us. And um, I think we inspired him to kind of get his band going. And um, they were. I mean, they they'd kind of come back and, and made that record, Researching the Blues, that came oh. out in uh, 2012. And okay. it was like, wow, these guys, they had like quit playing for 10 years or whatever. And then came back and made probably their best record of their career. Oh, yeah. But they couldn't, it couldn't really tour a lot because their drummer Roy had like a pretty good job, also played in the Muffs, and also I think was starting a family. And so they didn't, they weren't able to do a lot. Steven was in off, and, and those guys were touring. And um, actually, how we got him in the band was, was I kind of filled in for their drummer on a little three week tour. And uh, uh -oh. I've known Steve for a long time, but we kind of hit it off and hit it off. <laughs> and so, you know. Uh, that kind of made it to where we became interested in playing with him because he's just, you know, I always thought he was a, an amazing bass player. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And so Melvin's were going to kind of take a little break and Buzz and I were going to do Crystal Fairy. Mm -hmm, yeah. And then, so Steven was like, well, shit, well, that means, you know, I'm, I've got nothing going on. I want to do some Red Cross stuff, do a Red Cross tour, you know, because we haven't yeah. been able to tour before. And they, they, um, we had another drummer after Roy, but then I think he was having some reservations about doing a really big tour because um, he had also, I think, got a pretty steady gig, you know, yeah. and, and uh, didn't want to leave for that long. So the Crystal Fairy thing had fallen apart, and, and uh, I'd always kind of said, like, hey, man, you guys need a drummer, you know, you need a fill-in or anything. I'm a big fan. I really yeah. like your band a lot. <laughs> um, and so... Melvin's were doing like a little run up to San Francisco and on our way back we're all talking in the van and, and Buzz is like get, get Dale to play with you guys you know like, yeah I'll do it and so they had it was kind of on a on the eve of a tour well they got a few months before the tour started but but um, uh, there was some reservations about the drummer uh, he had some reservations and so yeah. they auditioned me and I passed oh good yeah. <laughs>
yeah, I totally did it with them doing a ton of touring since. And uh, um, also we've, we've done, yeah, Stephen and I are trying to see how many bands we can play in together. Oh, there you go. We're going for the, the world record, the rhythm <laughs> section world record <laughs> of bands. So that'd be hard to beat. You know, I bet there's, you know, I mean, if you think like, uh, oh, uh, damn it, I'm blanking on the, on the, the, uh, the wrecking crew. You know, oh yeah, yeah, the wrecking crew. Yeah, they might. Yeah. So, the, but I don't but, know if they can. Well, yeah, they may not be considered official members. You have to. You can go for the official rhythm section for bands. For yes, at least, at least yes, one multiple song. Multiple bands. Right? Yeah. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Yeah. Well, so and there there is quite a few. Uh, um, well, that gives me an idea. I got yeah. a, a friend of mine is in a is in a, a band in, in Ontario. He's put out albums since the '90s, and he wanted he actually wanted me to ask you about the band Altamont and see if you guys had any plans of of doing anything in the future. But uh, his name's Jordan Zadarozny from Band Blinker the Star. You guys you guys should do uh, be his rhythm section for. I mean, he's putting out albums all the time. <laughs> well, we are for hire. <laughs> there you go. Another. Notch on yeah. your uh, Guinness Book of World Records. So, yeah, Altamont. I mean, um, uh, we haven't done anything for a while. And it's only because the, the two of the guys live in San Francisco and, and um, you know, hard to get together. Yeah. But um, Dan, who plays bass and Altamont, plays on one of the songs on my new solo record. And Toshi was kind of in the band towards the end of, well, we're still together. Right. <laughs> Maybe we'll do shows someday. But yeah, it's uh, just the logistics make it hard, that's all. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're all still really good friends and all that. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, Toshi's all over the new solo record and obviously engineered it and did a lot of stuff. And then uh, so one of the songs actually was was uh, going to be slated for an Altamont song that was on that's on my new record. Oh, really? Which and, one? Uh, yeah, it's called Tougher. It's like oh, the first yeah. single that we put out. actually the only song on the record that was a co-written song and that was uh toshi and, and myself he uh, wrote the music and, and i i uh, wrote the lyrics oh cool so, all right uh, so i definitely have a bunch of questions about the new album but i want to ask two more about the past before we move into the present and, and the future on the houdini album you guys did a kiss cover and uh going blind So wait, is that the one that they called? Is, is what was their tribute to themselves record? Yeah, that was that was the was one. That Kiss my ass. Yeah, yeah, they had like uh, Shandy's addiction on there, and Garth Brooks, and a whole bunch of other interesting. Choices. Oh right, right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They had actually asked us to do a song, and knew I can't remember. I mean, somehow they knew that we were fans. Yeah, and so we we recorded that, and I went down to they were doing an autograph session yeah. in San Francisco. And uh, it was for the uh, Hot in the Shade record. Okay, yeah. And I went down there and gave Gene the tape, the Vestion Going Blind. I'm like, hey, I'm 
gentleman from the Melvins, and and uh, we did go on blind. Um, hopefully, you guys would uh, like to use it for your for your record. Yeah. And he was really nice and like stood up and he's like, oh, shaking my hands and then introducing me to the other band members. This guy's in the Melvins. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he was super nice. And then he called me I, and I, I missed the call, which I was bummed, but I, I and I probably still have the, the tape someplace, but it's <laughs> like, hey, Dale, this is Gene. And um, yeah, I checked out your tape. And man, uh, you guys really did a slow version of that song. I thought there was something, thought there was something wrong with the tape, for, you know, you know, and I just wanted to let you know that we've got, there's a, uh, uh, all kinds of, uh, people that have submitted stuff and, you know, we're, we hope to use yours, but we're not really sure, you know, but thank you. You know, he was really nice about yeah. it. It was, it was kind of like, you could tell that they probably weren't going to use it. Yeah. It still really, I mean, called me personally to tell me. That's awesome. Know, and so, yeah, well, then later he had heard that, um, I think we might have said in an interview, like, oh, those guys didn't like song. Oh, well, and then uh, he he saw that and he's like, oh, no, that's not true at all. You know, and like, he's like, I, I really did like it. You know, we just had, you know, we had, we were making choices on who was going to sell the record, basically, you know? Yeah. So, but he's like, you know, I, I like you guys and I see that you guys are playing in town, opening up for Primus. How about if I come down and play Going Blind with you guys? And we're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And he did. He came down, brought his bass down, and he was really nice. And he's to this day, whenever we see him, I saw him about, uh, I saw him at the Chris Cornell tribute concert that yeah. we did. Yeah. I guess now it's been almost a couple of years. Um, yeah. But even then, he was there and he was super nice. He told me he loved me. Oh, that's awesome. Now, is the, the show where we played with you guys, is that the one where his. Bass got locked in a dressing room. It, it got locked in the dressing room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he had to kick the door down. And, and, and uh, they're even telling Gene, like, there's, the, uh, there's some video of him. And you see Primus' production manager telling Gene, just kick the door in. We don't know where the key is. Just go ahead. And so Gene's like, try to kick the door in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're, we don't know what's going on. And we're on stage going, because he's like, so, you know, don't make it like, you know, don't announce like, uh, uh, Gene Simmons is coming out. I'm just going to walk out there and play. Right. Okay. And so we're standing there going, who the fuck's Gene? <laughs> <laughs> Where is he? And, and so finally he comes out and he walks up to the microphone. And what he didn't realize is that uh, he gave our roadie his bass to take care of. And in the, in the case, it was that the dog wants to go in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You got enough of it out here? <laughs> so our our uh in his bass case there was a big pack of kiss guitar picks gene simmons guitar picks and so he taped him to the mic stand you know yeah and gene comes out and looks at it and he looks over at me and he's like whose are these i'm like they got your name on it <laughs> yours <laughs> and he's like oh and he takes them and he starts booking out in the audience <laughs> hey <laughs> oh so, that was fun yeah and he complimented me on i was doing harmonies on gone blind i mean when when, uh, when we're doing it at Soundcheck, he's like, yeah, is that you doing that? <laughs> that was pretty good. Hey, hey Thanks, man. man. Eddie, any compliment from Gene Simmons? You guys ever awesome. need a drummer, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, I heard a, a story about that. Tell me if this is accurate or not, because I have no idea. But I heard that Gene had sent you the lyrics to Going Blind, but that he got them wrong. That could, yeah, that might be true. <laughs> there might have been like a couple of, of words wrong. Okay. And I'm not sure, you know, who probably caught that is um, we were friends with this guy, Bill Bartell. You know, uh, there's a big, huge connection with all of this here because Bill Bartell had put together, put out the Red Cross Teen Babes from Monsanto. Right? Oh, okay. So, so and we had known Bill for, a, well, not that long at that point, but um we met him because he put out a germs tribute record and got us to do a song for it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know that. And, um, yeah. Yeah. We did the song lexicon devil. Yeah. And, We 
we were doing going blind, and it was during the Houdini sessions, and Bill was there, probably just hanging out, and he, I think he did the guitar solo. Okay. You know, I think I played bass. If I remember right, I played bass, Buzz played guitar, Bill did the guitar solo, and then we did vocals. Um, but yeah, I think he sent us the lyrics, and I think Bartel was like, hey, wait, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you also have a, a bit of an acting career. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the, the two the two credits that I've heard of are uh, an extra in the Doors movie and a young Neil Young in the Harvest Moon video. Yeah, young Neil Young and old Neil Young. Oh, well, and old Neil Young, okay. older Neil Young too. Well, no, because in that video, I'm not only young Neil Young, I'm also uh, uh, old Neil. Man, oh, see, when, uh, I don't, if, so the video. Do you know the Harvest Moon video? Oh, yeah. Obviously, is what you're talking about. Yes. It's a video about where, when he uh, had met his wife at the time. Yeah. And it's like a flashback, flashback to when he met her. But um, uh, but starts out in, in current time where they're at the uh, restaurant bar where they met. Right. Him and, and Peggy. They're dancing together. But yes. But then also he's playing on stage while they're dancing. Which is, you know, that's impossible. Right. How's he doing that? <laughs> <laughs> so if you look really closely, you'll see that I'm dancing with his wife when he's playing on stage and I'm playing with his band when he's not. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez. So you're so very was, versatile. Yeah. <laughs> right. A dual role. Yeah. <laughs> that was the fun part. I mean, the other part was fun, too, because, well, I mean, just the whole thing was really surreal. Yeah. You know? Oh, uh, I bet. Because during the filming of the uh, current part, he and I are like between scenes are like swapping clothes, <laughs> you know, okay, here's my pants, you know, like, you know, uh, and, and then, and, and even like, okay, now, now, now I got to put the harmonica on, be careful when you do, cause it'll get caught in your hair, the holder will. And I'm like, ah, oh, you fucked up. And I got it caught in my hair. And so I, Neil Young is like getting his harmonica holder out of my hair. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. So, yeah, it was, it was cool. I mean, I was a big Neil Young fan. I'm still a big Neil Young fan. Yeah. So, but, but it was just, yeah, it was, it was weird. But then you wrecked I mean, his car. Even, yeah, sort of. Well, I mean, fuck, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not really. Um, uh, the director was uh, Julian Temple, who had done Sex Hustles movies and, and um, yeah. uh, 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 as, uh, among other things. But the idea was that, okay, you're going to drive on the skinny country road in this giant caddy. And you're going to go off the side of the road and down in this ravine that goes down a little bit, you know, make sure you hit the brakes. Yeah. What could go <laughs> before wrong? Before you go down there. Right. And, oh, and, you know, you're not looking where you're going. You know, you're, you're staring at, at, at the girl, a beautiful girl next to you. You know, you're so mesmerized. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> and, you know, first take, did it. Great. No problem. Second take, no problem. All right, let's. One more, just so we got it. Make sure we got it. You know, we'll do one more take. Right. And then, oh, jammed the rear fender into a stump. Oh. My like, oh, stop, 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 stop. You know, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so then I was all freaked out because I fucked up Neil Young's car. <laughs> yeah, but now how many people can say that? I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Probably me and, and Dave. Uh, Briggs? Uh, David. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say uh, uh, David. Uh, uh, Crosby. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, there you go. That's, that's a good point. But still, that's, probably that's, did. that's an elite group right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, me and Crosby. Yeah. So when did you start writing your music for your solo projects? Is that something that's been bubbling up these past 36 uh, years? Or? I mean, well, it kind of came out of Altamont, you know, when I moved down to L.A., we didn't do so much. I mean, yeah. And then also just kind of opportunity to do stuff with Joyful Noise. Okay. You know, they're 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 into the idea of me doing a solo record. <laughs> so were you, were you writing music so, the entire time in the Melvins, or we would? I've always had riffs and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even even there's a couple songs on this new record that's like, oh, I've had that for a long time. Yeah. And I realized, you know, just and finally turned it into something. So uh, the first album you did, Fickle Finger of Fate, is that uh, a nod to the Tab Hunter vehicle from the late '60s, the movie? Oh. Uh, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, is that, no, uh, uh, well, I, and it's also a, uh, um, it was a, a laughing thing, but, um, I had actually got it from one of the Dodgers broadcasters. He, he was saying it about one of the pitchers, uh, <laughs> fingers 
that was uh, he'd get a blister that was a constant problem and i just uh, thought that saying was funny yeah <laughs> i mean you know there's other, other obviously other meanings to it that i thought were pretty funny but just for whatever reason i thought that was really funny yeah so uh, <laughs> when did you start singing is uh was that the uh, idea from the beginning when you started writing your your own singing songs? yeah uh i mean yeah, sure. I mean, I, um, <laughs> but really, I started singing probably when I joined the Melvins because Buzz told me I should. Like, right. So I learned how to sing and play drums. And, you know, that was great. Not easy. I'm glad he made me do it. It is now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 36 years some, doing it. There, there, there are some things that are like, like um, there's a couple of Melvin songs that are uh, almost impossible to sing because the drums are so tricky and yeah. it gets the vocals. You know? But, you know, uh, certainly one thing I learned from Buzz is like, don't write anything you can't sing. Yeah. <laughs> Good advice. That's true. That's true. Now, and on the the first solo album, I got to tell you the uh, the the music and everything is so melodic. I love uh, um, Thunder Pinky is incredible. Um, uh, Little Brother, that yeah, Little Brother right. is such a beautiful song. I absolutely love that song. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I thought that one came out really good. And there's also a lot of short vignettes on the album, like Horse Pills, uh, The Members Bounce, Prismo. Uh, all the little uh, all the little drum haikus. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that record, I mean, the first thing that came out, one of the first things, was all those little drum haikus on a, on a crazy lathe cut record. Like a limited edition... It's hard to describe, but it's like a you know, vinyl that has like six spindle holes, right, and right. then the, groove, the grooves are in wherever spindle holes. So it looks weird. Right? Yeah. But it, it does, and you know, those guys really like doing things like that. But since there's only uh, 127, and they sold out right away, a lot of people were bummed that they missed it. So yeah. well, why, not, why why don't I expand on it? I'll, I'll add songs, song songs, and there'll be the drum songs as well, and then everybody's mad. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me then. Okay. Yeah. And they went for that idea. <laughs> <laughs> do you approach the drums differently for the Dale Crover band than you do for the Mel Fins? <laughs> uh, do I, Frank? Hey, Frank. <laughs> Frank always wants to make out. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I've seen you lick your butt. Yeah. Um, uh, I well, you know, um, yeah, because guitar is first, I guess. Okay, you, you know, I, even when I record, I learned from messing around with the four track demo stuff a long time ago that that um, if you do guitar first, then you have something to play along to. It's a little easier oh. rather than trying to memorize the song, play drums, and then add guitar to it. Uh, so that's how when I'm doing solo stuff, usually that's how I do it. Is I'll start with guitar and then do drums, and then you know, I, I mean, I have an idea and how I want them to sound usually, but then I'll just go and play along with it until I get something cool. Oh, cool. Something that I like. Sometimes it's accidental, you know. Sometimes I can nail it in the first take and it sounds great. Then I'll go back and, and, and record more guitars and like the, the most recent record, I would do that and then I handed it off to Steve McDonald to play bass. Oh, okay, okay. Now, have you been playing guitar this whole time with during the Melvins? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. Early Melvin's gigs, the encore would be me jumping on guitar, by jumping on drums, and us doing like Sin City by ACDC. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Or a mentor song. Oh, whichever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I liked about this is that your uh, guitar playing has a very crazy horse type of sound to it. And I, I love crazy horse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Neil Young. Yeah. You know? He's and, everywhere. Uh, yeah, like one of the songs on, on the new record, the I Can't Help You There, that was total like, yeah, it was a Neil Young sounding riff.
So I have questions about that track. You did. That's the one you have a uh, the video for. Where yep. uh, what is the the inspiration behind that video? Because you guys look like you're in an, in an, an institution. Exactly. So, so we what, are. What, so what, where <laughs> well, did you I mean, get the influence for that? The song's sort of about being cra- the song. Okay, so the song's about having dementia and being kind of crazy and out yeah. of your mind. You know, seeing things that aren't real. So that's kind of what I wanted the video to be, uh, uh, you know, slightly inspired by uh, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest yeah, and get the, cramp, sure. the, the Cramps performance at the uh, Napa State Mental Hospital. Oh, you yeah. You can find on YouTube. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Howard Hughes with the shoebox clippers, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> references like that. And then the creepy face masks. I was going to ask you about know. that. Was that, is that a nod to 2020 or was that decided on before this whole it thing went down? Well, I mean, uh, baseball creeps in again, Kike Hernandez, the, uh, one of the Dodgers players is one of the first guys I saw with, with like, he had a really creepy looking face mask and, and he has this like porn mustache, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and he, he's quite a character. He's quite a character and a pretty funny guy. So, so I was like, Oh yeah, we could, we could make face masks with our faces on it. And you know, like the book, all make some goofy looking face. Yeah. <laughs> Sing through them, which is hilarious to see the, the mouth moving on the mask. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So I didn't have to, I didn't have to remember the lyrics if I, you know, yeah. if I fake it. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Gene Simmons. So, uh, right. But, um, you know, we did it ourselves pretty much. Me. Okay. Like, I came up with some of the ideas. Uh, Toshi. Toshi and his uh, partner came up with, uh, well, she she did the editing and filming. And also put together, like, like the shot storyboard order. Right. You know, did a really good job of, like, okay, you know, instead of just having some, like, okay, let's just shoot a bunch of random stuff. Like, they... Like they so she sat down and listened to the, you know, I gave them all the ideas, you know, the, the, you know, we're going to be wearing like hospital smocks and, and, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're crazy. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, and then he just kind of thought of, of, you know, shot ideas, you know, he did and his, and his girlfriend did and, uh, um, um, Alicia and, uh, uh, yeah, we did it ourselves and for pretty much, you know, not too much money, you know, production wise, we, uh, bought our own costumes and masks and, and <laughs> got some lights. <laughs> so yeah, I think it came out good. I think it came out great. Yeah, I, I love it. it. Thanks. So the, uh, I'll tell you one of my favorite tracks off the album is supine is how I found him. That is such a right. wild track. It sounds like, you know, Ben Shepard and Phil Collins kind of got together and wrote a song. Is that the, the sitar one? I think so. Yeah, the, I think so. The- yeah. Um, that was uh, that was uh, um, one of the songs. So on this record, we did a similar thing with the with the weird uh, uh, vinyl. That okay. looks like it doesn't play. Yeah, and that was one of the songs on that. And originally, it was just it's me. I'm just playing an improvised solo against a like a, a kind of a crappy organ built in drum. Okay. Beat, okay. You know? We've got this thing that we've used a bunch. This little keyboard called the Discoverer. and yeah i'm just playing against that beat that uh uh, sitar electric sitar it's a dan electro electric sitar and i guess i don't really remember but toshi claims that i gave him a little bit of extra money and said to get something for the studio (laughs) and said that we should that we should get this electric sitar so there you go (laughs) (laughs) so you know we had to use it. And oh, yeah. Toshi did this really weird thing. He, he's got this drum project that he's been working on for a while, Plan B. He's also had a couple of things come out on Joyful Noise with that. Okay. And um, he gets the drums to trigger weird synth patches. Ah. Um, and this is kind of a similar concept. I'm playing this guitar, um, but the, the drum is opening up a gate and letting the guitar come through. Okay. And so to me, it sounds like it's talking. You know? Yeah. His drum stuff kind of sounds like that as well. That's so, awesome. But 
it's like yeah it's like almost like a peter frampton talk box type of thing something oh that's wild yeah now you also did a really interesting cover of christmas time is here oh yeah <laughs> i tell you what, to make that song your own is no easy task but it definitely sounds yeah different yeah. I mean, yeah, I was like at first going to try to do like, okay, I could learn this on guitar. And it's like, I can't learn this on guitar. <laughs> I, I, I figured it out a little bit. I mean, yeah. you know, um, I mean, I, I, it would have been a while to sit down and learn it. But, you know, I kind of knew the little piano bits, like yeah. an easy piano version that I learned a while ago. And so I did that and then had Toshi play like a solo thing on top of it. And, uh, and we did the vocals and yeah, it came out pretty creepy. I like it. <laughs> and, and well, this was for, uh, this was for joyful noises, Christmas party. Oh, okay. Okay. And, uh, they've, they've always asked me to come out and I haven't been able to come out and obviously nobody could go this year. So they yeah. had everybody do a, a song and film it or whatever. And at first I was like, Oh, I don't know. But you know, <laughs> then they talked me into it. And you know, how could I say no? It's like, come on, we'll give you some money. We'll make this crazy record and, hey. <laughs> and you can do like, okay, sure. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, well, your acting so, chops shine through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's, that's, uh, um, uh, that one is us, uh, <laughs> Josh and I've been laughing at that. There, there's a couple of, uh, really funny drummer videos on YouTube and this guy, you know, like the, the drummer at the wrong gig who's like doing like a wedding gig, but he's doing all that, you know, like, like uh, Tommy Lee yeah. throwing his sticks and stuff like that. Well, there's this, um, there's this wild Korean drummer um, that you got to look up. He's got a bunch of videos and it's really funny. He like, he just steals the show constantly with like, you know, he's got the most dramatic moves with, the, <laughs> with his sticks and stands up and he's got a symbol. He's got a symbol up really high. So when he stands up, he can hit it. And, and so I'm kind of, I'm trying to imitate him. <laughs> That's <laughs> he's awesome. Really, yeah. And, I, well, I'm like, Toshi, you got to get him for your drum project, you know, because Toshi has got like some pretty famous drummers that have done stuff. You know, yeah. you've got Dave Lombardo to do something for him, Matt Cameron. That's awesome. Um, Greg Bissonette, Ooh. who plays with, played with David Lee Roth and yes. now plays with Ringo Starr. That's one of the first concerts um, I ever saw was David Lee Roth and, and Greg was... Oh, no, right on. It was, a, it was a triple bill. It was Extreme, Cinderella, and David Lee Roth. Oh, wow. I think I might have even seen that tour. Yeah. <laughs> I remember having to sit through Cinderella for some reason. It must have been. Yeah. <laughs> so but they were good. They're really funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's what they're going for, but man, it's memorable now. Yeah. Just over the top. Greg was telling us how like, yeah, Dave, Dave uh, got me to like, during my drum solo, kind of like hump my drums, you know, just like really goofy stuff. He was showing us videos and just like laughing at himself, you know. <laughs> if anybody can do that, man, Dave, Dave can make anybody do almost anything, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So the the album, is there anything behind the name Rat-a-tat-tat? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Um, other than I, I had the whole thing done and I was still trying to think of a record title yeah and um this didn't have anything good and that just kind of came to me i'm like oh that's cool it's like a drum fill yeah you know makes sense i like the artwork too it's kind of a dark record yeah and so i thought that would the name would make it not so dark okay <laughs> uh -oh, poor connection no uh, i'm still here though oh there you are okay. <laughs> is the uh artwork a reflection on the the darkness of the album is, is there a connection i don't know no i think i just uh you know, well, that was Mackie, and I just, I didn't yeah. give her, all I gave her were the song titles and the, and the title of the record. And she's like, do you have any ideas? Like, no, <laughs> this is your area. That's awesome. You know, I really liked what you did on the last record, and I didn't really give you much direction for that. So, well, I mean, you know, do she, what you feel. Yeah, I don't, she, even, she's I don't, I don't even think I, yeah, I don't think she heard any of it or anything like that. Just had the, that information. Okay, so, I like it. I like I like what she came up with. I, I kind love of think it. it goes along with one of the songs. You know? Yeah, for sure. And and um, yeah. and Melvin's nineteen eighty three are going to be releasing an album pretty soon after the Rat a Tat Tat officially comes out. 
Yes. Yeah. I think that comes out in February. So and, uh, yeah, working with God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question for you about that. I had, obviously, there's not a whole lot that's been released, but when you do a cover and you change it just slightly, like I fuck around. Round, round, fuck around. I fuck around. Yeah. Fuck around, round, round. I fuck around. I fuck around. Up and down this fucking street I gotta find a fucking place Where the fuck hits me Those fuckers and me Are getting fucking known Yeah, the fuck hits Do you know the need to leave us alone. run that past the original band Or do you just record it, release it And cross your fingers? I think, no, I think you can do parodies And it's fine I okay. mean, people like Weird Al I've always asked people's permission Yeah But I mean, I'm guessing we I mean, you know, obviously Brian Wilson will get paid for it, but oh, I mean, yeah. I would think that it's pretty under the radar. I mean, it, we, it's released already, and then we already released it on, on, on online you know, magazine or whatever. Yeah. I did a premiere of it, but uh, his lawyers haven't called. <laughs> okay. I've always wondered that. So I mean, yeah, I've, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I believe that's the case, though. I mean, you can do a parody and, you know. Yeah. Show the person's song. Every, every time I, I I hear something like that, I always flash back to the Weird Al uh, video where he's presenting his song to Michael Jackson and the his thumb is wavering between up and down. So I'm always. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's some old, like, um, I think it was when he oh, did Michael the Jackson. Michael Jackson was kind of not, not so into it. I think so. I think that was, that was the idea behind part of the video. Cause, uh, it's it just, it was just part of the video for, I think for eat it. And he's like, Oh, okay. I did a, you know, I did a version of your song and here it is. And then Michael Jackson's got his thumb is wavering between going up and going down and finally uh, brings it up. So oh, that's good. That sticks in my head. Every, anytime I hear somebody doing a cover, that's you know obviously either a parody or different enough that you're like, wait, I know this song, but I don't know this version of it. Yeah. You know, I think the Nirvana, off topic, but the Nirvana guys, I think might've been a little bummed about Weird Al. You know, I mean, they said okay and stuff like that, but, but yeah, well, uh, video was too close or whatever. But um, which is funny because uh, you know Chris Novoselic plays uh, the uh, accordion. Oh, okay, right? yeah, yeah. And the first time I ever heard of Weird Al was through Chris doing his cover of My Bologna. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's, yeah. That's... So. That's a hell of a way to find out about Weird Al. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, the album comes out uh, mid-January. Where can people find the album? Where can they buy it and uh, find out about what you're up to? Well, all the streaming uh, places, for sure, will have it. Um, you know, physical copies you can get through Joyful Noise or your local record store if they're open. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Hopefully. And gosh, if we ever get to play shows again, come and buy it for me. Directly. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll even autograph it for you. Awesome. So how can people find it? Is there a social media presence where they can follow you if uh, touring recommences oh, yeah, yeah, again? Yeah. I mean, uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram, Dr. Crover. Dr. Crover. Dr. Crover. I'm, I'm official. I think that's yeah. a Dr. Pepper knockoff, Dr. isn't it? Uh, yes. If not, it should be. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other revenue stream for you. It's, it's, it's uh, Dr. Pepper with, with twice the sugar. Real okay. sugar. <laughs> <laughs> like Dr. Pepper meets Jolt Cola. Exactly. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, there's that. And then also, uh, you know, that, that there's like a Facebook thing you can follow uh, okay. as well. Excellent. Excellent. And, um, yeah. Thank you so much for your time and, and uh, you're spending your morning with me. I know it's, uh, we're on different coasts. Yeah. So it's pretty early. It's getting, yeah. Yeah. Oh, are you, uh, where are you at? I'm in Virginia. Oh, okay. How is it out there? Did you guys get snow? We did. Uh, about, uh, well, I'd say a little week or so ago, a little before Christmas, and uh, we're supposed to get snow New Year's Day. So, oh, wow. But it's gone at this point. It's still kind of cold out, but uh, snow's gone. Yeah. There's some snow in the mountains here, but man, right now, I'm, I'm, the sun is blazing. <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm looking, you, you got your sunglasses on and, and uh, just a t-shirt. Yeah. I'm a little yeah, jealous. I'm going golfing, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't mean to rub it in. I, know, I, I, I mean, that's one reason why we live out in California. Grover!
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.